in four weeks, one of us will go. So four weeks turns into two months. I remember this is in like end of May that we leave Uganda. I remember in July going to the beach with your family. And I think that's when like the the poop hit the fan. Hey, hey, hey! You made it to the Ash and Ivy show where we get to be friends. My name is Riley, and this is just all about creating space to talk about what's going on in life. All the things. The Ash, the Ivy, it all belongs, and we're ready for it. I believe God shows up in every single one of our lives in unique ways. It's so beautiful, it's so fun to experience. Listen, we can create lives that light us up and we can do it together. Let's go. Hey guys, I know you're so anxious to hear how the kids get home and we did already give the spoiler. So you know the ending, they make it here and it's such a beautiful reunion. Um, And just, oh, I just remember being in that airport and welcoming all of them back and it was just so 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 right and good and beautiful Um, but all of that did not happen without extensive work and prayer and just the hand of God covering every detail many many details and ways of him providing so I'm excited for you to hear it today Allie and I go into what it's like raising kids in today's culture Um, And just with all the racial tension and all of the things that are moving and growing, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it all and thankful to have um, an impact and a voice in making change and bringing healing. It's, It's such a blessing. So we're on this journey of learning what it means to really fight for unity and healing for those who have faced oppression, standing up for those right things. And Allie and I both have kind of crawled through uncomfortable spaces in order to grasp tiny bits of what people of color experience on a regular basis in order to be filled with compassion for them. It's so complex, right? And there are all these difficult angles to navigate. Um, After the mic was off, Allie and I continued to really talk about it in detail and depth and just voice questions and, um, thoughts and it's okay. It's okay to face your real thoughts about all of it and ask questions and figure it out and really work hard to grasp, grasp like what's going on, what are they trying to say and what needs to happen and what are their needs. And um, I, I want that. I am here for it and I'm ready to learn and I've been reading a lot and listening and following Regardless of all of those questions, we agree it's essential to have those conversations, to recognize what's happening so that we can teach our kids to know the truth and fight for what's good and right. And it doesn't matter, frankly, what I think about a situation or what I think is happening or not happening, because when a sister tells me about what is happening or a mama tells me how she feels or that she has to have this special talk with her son about what's appropriate or not appropriate in public and in order to keep him safe. No, my role in that is to listen and be filled with compassion. And 
honestly, my job as a Christ follower is to love and seek unity. And I do. I see change coming. I am fully optimistic that there can be healing. I absolutely believe we're headed in the right direction. And in any situation, when we face the facts and embrace the truth, only then are we able to truly restore what's been broken and move forward with peace. And so that's what this space is all about. I'm here to create space for that, including whatever hurts people have experienced. And, um, and I will do that with intentionality because when we bring darkness to light, God is able to do miraculous things secrets and hidden things and things pushed under the rug brings no one life, right? No one life and nobody wants shame and suffering. Like let's sign up for more. And so let's show our kids how to make space for others who need a boost, no matter who they are. Um, I, I believe we need to be intentional about putting others above ourselves. And um, I'm excited to be on this journey with you. So listen in to the rest of the story. I started feeling real dark about everything because the reality hit that like this is serious yeah you really don't know what's gonna happen I don't know what's gonna happen I have kids who <laughs> legally I'm their parents in yeah. Uganda yeah they have your whole heart at this point and I can't immigrate them mm-hmm. and so we are doing all the immigration paperwork. Um, we get told that their immigration file has to go to a, a higher authority. Um, and it, that once it goes to a higher authority, I start calling the immigration offices every single night. But that office is only open from like 2 to 4 a.m because they were on a different time zone. So I would set my alarm Monday through Friday, two to 4 a.m. and call them and say, hey, here's my case number. Here's my children. Here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. What's the update? Because they just set, you know, was it the squeaky wheel gets, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> to say, squeaky wheel gets the oil or whatever. So the holdup though is, a parental release, right? Is this um, what's happening? Well, they They're said trying to find. They said that there was some questions about. They basically want to make sure the children are up for adoption, right? Which is a good thing. Um, and they want to make sure that, like the the parent, the biological parents were not coerced or anything good thing like sure now I'm looking back and I'm like great this is a good thing we want to feel confident about this yes this is all great things because I at the end of the day I always want to be able to look my children in the eyes and say yeah a hundred percent everything is like pure above reproach we know the truth and all of that mm-hmm. so um just honestly, months go by of me waking up every night, calling this place. Um, holidays go by, their birthdays go by. 
I, um, oh, in December, our adoption agency shut down overnight, which was unbelievable. And so what did that mean for you financially? That was the main impact was financial, right? The main impact was financial. Um, so we end up hiring an immigration attorney. A we we didn't necessarily need the adoption agency anymore, except for as a like. Fis- I don't know if facilitator is the right term. You have to have an agency on paper. Mm-hmm. You can't just go to a country, pick up a child that's trafficking. Mm-hmm. And so we had to go through someone. And so our immigration attorney, who was amazing, she helped us find private investigators. She helped us find a brand new legal team. We said we can't trust our legal team because they came from that agency. She helped us find a new adoption agency. She basically said, I'm not working with you unless you scrap every single person and come ground up. So this is December. This is December. (sighs) Okay, so we've reset. It's been seven months, I guess. And all of that, as I look back now and I'm like, all of that is good because I have to be able to look my children in the eye and say, I advocated for you. I only want the truth for you. Yeah. And I either want you with your biological parents or I want you with us. I don't want, I just want you with a family. Yeah. And in the end, I was able to tell Tyler, like, I'm fine if they're with their biological family will be hard on me, but I just want them in a family, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what love is, you know? Yeah. And so a few months go by, we're working with our immigration attorney, and she tells us, I promise you, I'll find you whatever the truth is. And it may hurt. So how much longer was it? When did you get to go back? April. It was... It was one year, one week. Yep. And we went back and we said, we're not leaving Maverick this time. He's coming (laughs) with us. (laughs) Because we know how this could go down. Yeah. And we we took him with us and he saw Uganda. And I think it was really powerful. I mean, he, he saw where they lived. He saw... Um, the first day we got there, he got food poisoning and bed bugs. Oh my God. <laughs> we were like, we have to you God. Yeah. And so he, it was, it was really fun. I mean, he, he experienced Uganda Yeah. and, um, we walked and got chapati and yeah. rode on bodas and just had fun on the airplane together yeah and it was just fun to be able to go as a as a full family unit and come Come home home. that was powerful as a family Mm -hmm. unit and I mean I remember coming home and just telling her I'd be like oh my gosh (laughs) I think y'all lost shoes on that trip too we (laughs) Emma lost his shoes because we almost missed our flight oh my goodness 
and then he's going in the airplane bathroom with no shoes on. I do want to back up for just a second because there's some beauty in that hard story. While you were back in America, I think you had one or two people, was it your driver that you had kind of become friends with who Mm -hmm. corresponded with you and checked on you? Oh gosh, yes. Right? We call him Uncle Dennis. (laughs) And he... We made really good friends with Uncle Dennis and Aunt Charlotte. (laughs) Charlotte was our landlord and Dennis was our driver. And they both are still like the most beautiful people. Yeah. Um, Dennis Dennis and Charlotte took cake and, and soda and food and all this stuff to our kids on their birthdays and videoed it and FaceTimed with us on their birthdays. Um, and both of them really went above and beyond for us yeah. and would Facebook with us and message us. And both of them are just like really the most beautiful people mm-hmm. helping do whatever we that needed. That saved you for sure. It really did. And then when all the hard, when all the investigation and hard stuff was going on, we would go back to Dennis and be like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, even down to like names, like we're investigating this name or this headstone of this person. Oh my goodness Can you gracious. go here? And he, w- he would do anything for us and he would do mm-hmm. anything for those kids. I mean, yeah. he was just a beautiful person in this story. Yeah. and so now they're here they came home and so I guess we'll kind of shift the story a little bit and talk about life here I mean they had to kind of assimilate to American culture and and that's beautiful and natural and they should um I love well first of all kind of tell about that and how that's been and then maybe we can talk about how you've kind of continued to celebrate their Ugandan heritage and how you keep that alive in your home yeah um I mean the first couple months it was real hard um because it's America is very different than Uganda and I look back now and just kind of see how hard that would be on anyone and I wish I had more grace for them in that moment um, you are a very gracious person, so don't <laughs> beat yourself up too hard about that. Um, I always look, I think one of the things that I, I don't know if I did it well, but I do think I apologize well to my children, mm-hmm. is I, I always want my kids to feel like kids. I don't want them to grow up too fast. And so I always tell my daughter, especially, be a kid, feel like a kid. Because without telling too much of her privacy, but tell us what her responsibilities were in Uganda. She, um, she was the oldest one in her orphanage, so she had to pretty much cook and clean yeah. the whole place. I mean, when I say cook, I mean, she came, she came to us knowing how to chop onions, cook scrambled eggs for 20 or so people. I mean, do a lot. So she'd basically been Emma's parent 
for she had a couple years at this point. And so I think a lot of the things that I struggled with was viewing her as an adult, but she was seven. Yeah, she's itty bitty. And so I viewed her as an adult because a lot of times she acted like an adult. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I would see her as a child and it would like shake me almost. Because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, you are a child, but I've been treating you as an adult. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And I think, I mean, she was extremely mature, um, but we all, just to bring a little bit of grace to you too, is we all treat our oldest child as yeah. way too old. You know, we have these high expectations for them. And then when our little one turns that age, we're like, wait, <laughs> you're a child. You're so little. Seven <laughs> is so little. It you know? is so little. <laughs> I mean, my youngest is seven now and I'm like, yeah. you're a baby, Yeah, a baby. And so I, I just have, I look back on that time and I have so much, I guess, compassion for them because I'm like, you lost so much. Yeah. You lost your family. You lost your childhood. Those formative years of your childhood, you lost your country, the place you were born. And there's Um, so much beauty in Uganda. There is. And so we talk a lot, how we hold on to it is... um, I mean, we, we celebrate some Ugandan holidays, but then if they ever ask for Ugandan food, it's like we drop everything and we cook it. We listen to Ugandan music. We, I'm very pro, like, you want to listen to this black artist? Let's do it. You want to read this book? You want to do this? I try and just have a very... Um, like pro black education in our household um, just to educate all of us. Um, They need it, but Maverick needs it as well. Right. I didn't grow up with that. um, And I want Maverick to have that appreciation for their culture as well. Mm -hmm. And I want Maverick to grow up knowing you know, Ugandan culture, black culture, all of it, so that he can have a rich appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. So, actually, this month being Black History Month, Maverick was the one that was like, I think we should have Ugandan food, and I think we should celebrate, you know, like Langston Hughes and this and this. And so he wants them to feel celebrated just as much as like we want them to feel celebrated. Mm-hmm. So I think we're definitely still learning how to do that, though. We don't have it down. Is Joy, um, does she really embrace that? Does she push one way or the other? Um, I don't think... Uh, it's hard. I wouldn't say she really embraces it. Um, I think Emma embraces it better. Really? Yeah. Emma will listen to it, to music and say, he's black like me. Oh, yeah. And we're like, yeah, yeah, he is, mm-hmm. you know? And I can tell when Emma says it, he feels some sort of, like, pride in it. Yeah, he feels seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of feel like 
we feel an importance of that for Emma, but Joy doesn't do that as much. And so I, I think Joy sees it more in fashion. If yeah. she looks at fashion magazines and sees a black woman um, dressed up or she sees a hairstyle or something, mm-hmm. she's drawn to it in that way. I think they both have their different avenues of it. That makes sense. Well, I know I have um, have a kind of a new appreciation and understanding of, of black women looking for role models and heroes and mm-hmm. how do we make sure she has that in her life and, yeah. you know, just images of beauty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, her skin is so stunning. She's drop-dead gorgeous. She is. Um, <laughs> And tall and slender and athletic and strong and the fastest one. And oh my goodness, she's amazing. And so sweet too. Um, but I guess I always like find myself looking for role models for her. Do you? Yeah, I, I feel that way all the time. <laughs> all the time. And I think that's why I'm always like, and we talk about this, I'm looking at Instagram accounts and huh. um, websites and magazines and books and where can I pull from because I'm no expert in it, but I do see the importance of her having representation and racial mirrors and all of that stuff so that even if she doesn't verbalize it now, I see the importance of her having it. And so I don't, I don't know what that looks like, um, well, probably as she develops into her areas of interest, those people can be found in those areas, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I was talking to a friend last week who who was expressing this need to find black role models in black beauty, and her area of interest is our legal interest, and... Um, and just how difficult she was saying how difficult it is to find them but but you can yeah and um how valuable it is just to have yeah. people in your life who show you that things are possible and that this you know is the direction to go and um, it's really beautiful yeah mm-hmm. so i guess just parenting this is, I mean, the culture right now is tense, right? Yeah, it is tense. And I guess I find myself in a place of just, it's nervous, but it's also exciting and learning. And I, through all of my studying and learning and reading, I guess I'm really just thankful to be living through this place and I don't know if this will make sense but I kind of have come to this place of realizing it feels like the black community wants us to acknowledge the truth of our history and just sit in the pain for a while and I think we we want to experience growth and we want reconciliation um, and we don't want to sit in pain right like In general, in life, you don't want to sit in the pain. You don't want to have Mm -hmm. to face the truth or the pain. But that's how you find healing is by sitting in the truth. And I didn't necessarily mean to talk about this today, but 
it is so valuable to teach our kids the truth and the history and and be willing to face what really has happened in order to celebrate the good things and find the beauty in those mm-hmm. things and um I love I love learning from you and I love the way you teach your kids the truth. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of navigate all of that? It's tough. Um, I don't think we do a great job of it, to be honest. Um, but I think we're getting better. Um, yeah. I try and take a real honest approach with it. Um, I... I think I do think Maverick's a really important voice in our house because I think he needs the education for for teaching white people yeah. of his generation. Um, so I I teach him the hard stuff. You know, he learned about protests. That was one of his vocabulary yeah. words like two weeks ago. And I sat him down and I was like, listen, bud, protests aren't over. Like, look at what happened last summer. These are protests fighting for racial justice. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I tell him, I was like, not everyone agrees with this, but not everyone agreed with Martin Luther King Jr. Right, for sure. A lot of people disagreed with him and that's what got him killed. You know, like... And so I try and I I try and bring truth to them, but also I do want I do want to leave space for their critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, last summer, last summer we had a real hard conversation with Joy, mm-hmm. and I think that that was when we that was something that awakened in. Tyler and I, because we had to tell her, listen, like, this man's name is George Floyd, and he, like, he was murdered. Like, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And he was black, and this is, this is the reality. And she sat there and cried on our porch, and it was, it was, like, by far the hardest thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. because Joy is so innocent. Um, I mean, she is so innocent that she was like, I don't understand. Right. Like, why don't people like black people? Right. Why should we have to tell our children that? And it we was just to just this, cover it up and not have to tell her. It was this super innocent moment, and we were like, we don't know either, and the promise I made to her, and it, it was hard, was that we won't put you, if you are with us, we will not put you in situations around people who are racist. And in that moment, I realized we live in the South. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's hard. <laughs> this probably sounds dramatic, but... I told Tyler, I was like, that's a hard promise. Wow. Because there are so many people in the South that it's that believe that racism is just saying the N-word. Sure. But nowadays it goes so much deeper than that. 
you know, we have to be actively fighting against racism. Mm -hmm. We have to be standing up for racism. And we have to know that like, hey, if you see someone doing something racist, you have to step in. And so I told him, I was like, that just, I made a promise to my black child and it just changed everything in our lives. It was the right promise to make. I don't regret it. But And I stand with you with that. I mean, we definitely stand with you guys in that. Well, I mean, I think that's what changed everything in our relationship with Mm y'all. Is that y'all's family is a family that I that Tyler and I look at and we can say, we see that in Mm y'all. And so we feel safe. Yeah. I agree. Like light, we have to bring light to every dark place. And so even though it would be easier to just stay quiet or complicit and just let kind of let it ride, maybe Mm -hmm. that doesn't actually solve it or heal it. And so bringing it to light, exposing it and telling the truth has to happen yeah and it's hard very hard but we're gonna do it we are (laughs) (laughs) for sure oh man that's good stuff Allie you're so brave and I you're a nine right I am a nine nine. (laughs) how does I mean this whole thing has kind of rocked your world um, I mean, from the beginning, just the yeah. adoption and everything, you have really learned to fight for your family. Mm-hmm. And it's stunning. Truly, it is stunning. It's, I'm, oh my goodness, I'm so proud of you and so honored to be a part of it. Um, but how do you take care of yourself? How do you rest? <laughs> you know, how, what does it look like for you to... I know, like, you wing eight and just go at it, right? <laughs> you like, wing eight. She's going to own that now. And be proud. Absolutely be proud to wing eight for your family um, and for other families, too. Your, your impact is rippling in many directions. But tell us kind of how you take care of yourself and what that looks like for you. Well, I run. <laughs> when I feel crazy, I run. So I run a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And I really like to cook, um, and that's kind of my self, self-care, self yeah. I think is what they call it. Yeah. So Self-care is not always just a massage and painting your nails. Like, yeah. self-care can be lots of things. I really like to, like, put on a TV show in the kitchen, and I could cook for, like, three hours straight. Oh, my gosh. And just, really. like, <laughs> let my little show just yeah, play. Yeah, so this is Allie. I wish y'all could see us. Like, she just stirs her bowl like this <laughs> sweet and gentle and methodical and I'm like banging the bowl like, you know <laughs> we stir together one time I don't know why we would stir together why did people stir together Thanksgiving or something but I was like oh my god we are like night and day we do not it's because I got a show going <laughs> but it's kind of an issue because sweet joy wants to learn to cook uh-huh and my kitchen is my safe space. You're gonna have to let her in. And so I'm maybe like, like one or two days a week. Well, I said I'd start with once a month <laughs> because it's like my time. You know, I've got my funny show Let's going set in some the boundaries. corner, and I'm just slowly stirring. stirring. Like how long can I stir? 
With the occasional glass of wine. It's really sweet. (laughs) (laughs) And then you've taken some certification courses. Tell us about that. It's so exciting. Um, So I'm a sports nutrition certification thing. I hope to get going. And then I'm hoping to get my run cert, my run coach certification. Yeah. To help people. So what's your offer? Lay it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> putting her on the spot for this. You one. are. Be brave. What's your dream? Like paint it out for real. Well, I think running really, I guess changed. It feel like it feels like it changed my life. It did. Yeah, because you said I hate running. I'm not a runner. Yes, I said that a lot. Plain and simple. And then I ran. God said run. God did say run. <laughs> and I ran a half marathon. And I've, I feel like the half marathon is what changed who I am. And I feel like if people knew how powerful they are, especially a half marathon is what does that. If you can do 13 miles, you're like, oh my gosh. I can do 13 miles. Can you believe I can do 13 miles? Yeah, no, not me. <laughs> but I think I think 99% of people can do 13 miles. So I really oh. want to help people I feel conquer, conquer that half marathon. Yeah. Because I think that that's when you feel powerful. And they're like, oh, I could do a marathon. Sure. Or maybe I want to do... I say sure, such confidence. I'm supporting you. (laughs) (laughs) But I want them to do it safely. I I want that certification because so many people go out and they get injured because they try and run five miles their first go or something silly like that. And then I do really like nutrition. I I like seeing young athletes um, take care of their bodies and Mm -hmm. fuel themselves well. I think that when you, you know, properly fuel yourselves for runs, you just enjoy it more. Yeah, well, it makes a difference in your performance. Yeah. I mean, so. That's awesome. That's so Mm -hmm. exciting. So where can people follow you? Um, I'm on Instagram at allinendurance. All in endurance. Always posting the good, yummy food and cute shoes. (laughs) I do like shoes. Definitely go follow her. She's amazing. And um, that's awesome. So you've been doing all the crazy homeschool, virtual school stuff. Yeah. What's kind of kept you sane? Running. Yeah. (laughs) Running. (laughs) My kids are great. They're all in. One's homeschool, one's virtual school, and one's face-to-face. We like to keep it unique. As of two weeks. As of two weeks. Yeah. Gosh. Thank you, teachers. We love you. Woo. Yeah. Woo, woo. Awesome. Well, Allie, thank you so much. Yay. Is there anything else? That's it. You owned this. You were a boss. Love you so much. Love you. Wow, this stuff lights me up every time. And I want to hear from you. It's your turn. So listen, first, I want to thank you for subscribing to this podcast. That means the world to me. Reviewing and sharing the show is the best way to help it grow and is the greatest gift to me. So if you like what you hear, please pop it in your stories and tag me. Thanks.